and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Tag Team Podcast. It's episode 17. I'm your host, Anthony Tartaglione, joined with my brother, Johnny Tartaglione. Happy New Year to everybody. It's 2022, and I think it's a new beginning for the podcast. I'm excited uh, to get a whole new year of the Tag Team Podcast for all of you to entertain yourselves. Sorry we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. As we mentioned in our previous episode, we were in Aruba, and then uh, my privileged ass got to go skiing right after. So what a life I live, but uh, I'm back, and we're back, and we're ready to give you guys the content that you love and you need to start 2022. Yeah, must be nice, right? Yeah. You go from uh, Aruba 85 and sunny every single day, and then you go and have some skiing time with the boys. (laughs) Nothing better than that. So... But yeah, today we want to take the time. Uh, as you all may know, it's officially the end of the NFL regular season today. We are actually recording this on Sunday, January 9th at 6.25 p.m. So the 4 o'clock games are still going. This podcast should hopefully be out uh, within this week. But as you all know, we, Tony and I, are New York Giants fans. And we want to recap how much of an abysmal season 2021 and 2022 has been for us. This has probably been the worst giant season in recent memory, Tony. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree for the simple fact of in the last few seasons, right? The Giants had the worst record over the past five seasons for any NFL football team. They are the worst in those five seasons. Some of those teams that are up that on that list, you know, you got the Jets, you got the Lions, Jaguars. you got the Jaguars, the Bengals. They all have been perennial, perennially, that's a tough word to say bad for the past few years but the Giants take the cake they've been the worst of them all but in those seasons at the end there's been a little clap all right I like the momentum we got oh I like this talent from this player oh I like what we got going here with our head coach oh I like the defense I think we can build off of that in the draft maybe if we get an offensive line but this year I feel no hope Joe Judge said or Mara says that Joe Judge is going to be safe for next season. I hope not. I hope he's gone. I think it needs to be a completely clean house, everybody. But I feel no hope for this team. Obviously, I know Daniel Jones, neck injury, didn't get to prove himself on his prove himself year like we said it was going to be this year. And obviously, he got hurt and the Giants were terrible. Anyways, it wasn't all Daniel Jones' fault. Saquon Barkley, not having a great year. The receivers, not having a great year. There's just... Firing Jason Garrett in the middle of the season. There's so many things that we're going to dive into and talk about because there is no hope left for this football team as it sits right now, except the only thing, the Giants have two first-round draft picks. Yeah, but even that got screwed over. I mean, the Bears fucking won that game against the Seahawks on that two-point conversion, and that was a big jump in the draft for the Bears. I shouldn't say jump. I should say they got pushed back a couple of picks, obviously, because they won the game. They won if it's had as high of a draft pick but the Giants are always finding ways to lose even when they're not losing the game themselves so again I think the best word to depict this franchise since 2016 is abysmal I feel like that is the best and most accurate word to use I was gonna say abomination whatever I don't even think it matters they're just an awful franchise from top to bottom from the GM to the 53rd man on the roster. They are awful all the way through. And I will start with this. Since 2016, since Ben McAdoo 
was hired as the head coach. Ben McAdoo! They have had three head coaches since that point. Since 2016. We just started 2022. That just goes to show that the ownership, the GM, none of them have hope in what they are building themselves. And it's a family-run organization, which could be the worst possible outcome for any professional sporting team in America. Daniel Jones played 31 games for the Giants in his stint so far since being taken 6th overall. I mean, at least we didn't take Dwayne Haskins. But since being taken 6th overall, and the Giants are 10-21 and in that span under Daniel Jones. And it's not even just the quarterback, though. I mean, obviously... Everyone in the NFL looks at the quarterback specifically, but there are teams out there who win plenty of football teams without a Patrick Mahomes or without an Aaron Rodgers or without a Josh Allen. Teams win football games in the NFL. Look at the Tennessee Titans. They're going for the one seed in the AFC. I'm not sure how it's going to end up because the games are still going. The Titans got the they got the one seed. They are officially the one seed. Yes. Okay. The Titans are the one seed in the AFC. And Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback. Now, I'm not going to bag on Ryan Tannehill. He's a good quarterback. But he's not a Patrick Mahomes. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. But look at their organization. Look at their GM. Look at their head coach. They build the roster from inside out. And the organization through and through is solid. And that's why they win football games. They know how to manage salary cap. They know how to handle their coaching staff. And their roster is obviously talented all the way through. They have depth, and that is what matters in the NFL. So you would go to say that John it's all John Myers' fault at this point? I would say so because he's kept Dave Gettleman around. And I cannot stand Dave Gettleman. He has left this franchise in a worse position than when he started. And when he started, they were coming off a 3-13 and year. And you can't get much worse than that. No. You can't get much worse than 3 and 13. And although they did win 4 games this year, they went 4 and 13. They had the extra <laughs> game, but it didn't matter. They're worse. They're worse off with the salary cap, with their draft picks, with the coaching staff. It's all terrible. It's all terrible. Did you know that the Giants didn't even have enough salary cap in week 18 to, to carry a 53rd player? A 53rd I know. Player. That's awful. How? How can you be one of the bottom, I'm going to just say it, they're the worst team in the NFL. They didn't have the worst team in the NFL. They weren't the worst team in the NFL record-wise, but they're the worst organization in the NFL. Right now, as it sits, I would agree. It's not even close. Look at Jacksonville. Jacksonville still comes to play nah, today. Jacksonville's really bad. Though. Against the Colts. But they, look, listen, they did the right thing. They saw that Urban Meyer was bad. Got him out. Now, the owner of Jacksonville... Is not fantastic. No. And I don't know too much about the Jaguars. And they obviously need organizational changes as well. But they're better off than the Giants. The Giants have the first two the two first round picks this year, but other than that, where are they going? Fire not retire. I saw that as a trend on Twitter. I'm just gonna say I, I did in fact get that from Twitter, but that is awful. He has produced absolutely no positivity for the New York football giants. None. Please tell me one positive thing, one positive outcome that the Giants had, have had in the last five seasons since they got their asses smoked by Green Bay in the first round in 2017. The extra draft pick this year. That's it. That was the best move they made. And I do like Kadarius Tony. I believe what they did in that draft was by far and away the best thing Dave Gettleman ever did. So thank you for that. But other than that, get the fuck out. 
See you later. Yeah, I miss Jerry Reese at this point. He got us two Super Bowls. Listen, Jerry Reese wins the Giants two Super Bowls, and I believe his record when he was GM, it, he had a winning record. I don't know exactly what it was. If it was 81 and 75, I don't know the exact numbers. I can't say for sure. I believe it was six games above 500. 91 and 85. It was six games. I was correct. So six games above 500. He straight up gets fired. You're out of here after a couple bad seasons, which is fine. That's expected in the NFL when you are underperforming. Dave Gettleman, who has been here since the last time the Giants made the playoffs, is 17 and 38. Are you kidding me? No Super Bowls, no playoff appearances. No playoff appearances. And get this, here's the worst stat of them all. The New York Giants have not held a winning record since he's been GM. In any point, in any season. Nope, not Are even one Are you kidding me? Dude, it's every year we start off 0-1, and, and then I'm like, all right, we're going to bounce back in week two. 0-2. Oh, all right, we're going to bounce back 0-3. Oh, it's it's every year with Dave Gettleman. It's always been like that. And here's the thing. I know Dave Gettleman is awful, but you got to look at the decisions that have resonated from that and have screwed us. Look, look at what's been going on in our talent on the field, too. The offense is irrelevant. Irrelevant. They had negative 10 passing yards against the Bears. Against the Bears! Yeah, that's hideous. And I understand that you don't have your starting quarterback, but this is the NFL. You're professionals. I'm not saying go out there and put up 37 points, but give me 37 passing yards at least. (laughs) Oh my God! And I will say this, man. I will say this. As a fan, Saquon Barkley is a fan favorite. But he was not it. Overhyped. Taken at number two. And I understand he had the torn ACL. I understand that it's very, very difficult for running backs in the NFL to come back after an injury like that. And none of them are really ever the same. It's very rare. But it's just sad. That rookie season he had was incredible. And I feel like him not performing up to par is not all of his fault just because they haven't built the roster around him but if you're the number two pick you got to make some shit happen am i wrong like, no uh, you're not wrong you're not and i have to ask you this question from this do you think the giants should trade saquon barkley i don't think they should keep him why why would you keep him on the roster what's the upside you're not making the playoffs anytime soon and for him, for me personally, I am a fan of Saquon Barkley. I want to see him do great things, and I don't think it's going to be with the New York Giants. It never has been. I mean, Odell did great things with the Giants, and then... But they were relevant at points in his career with the Giants. They made the playoffs when Odell was on the roster. Once. Once they made the playoffs. And got smoked. They got smoked in the first... That was a great season, though. All around, they finished second in the NFC East. Only because Dallas went twelve and four that year, or thirteen. And, I think they went thirteen. No, thirteen and three. Twelve and four. Check it. Twelve and four. Either way, they, Dude, they it's minus five hundred on that. They they lost their last game of the season because they didn't play anybody because they had the division locked up. The Giants went eleven and five that year, and unfortunately, they had they, they had the second best record in the NFC that season, and they get rewarded with a first round game oh, at 13 Green Bay, and three. thirteen and three. Yeah, because. No, because remember, the Dallas had two losses the whole year, and they were both to the Giants. Yeah. 
and then they lost their last. I was all pumped up because I was like, Giants beat Dallas twice in the year where there are only two losses. Let's go. We're making a run. And then you just, you know, when, when your first round game is at Green Bay in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers, that's tough. Yeah, but we had the better record. We had the better record, but Lambeau Field in January is different. Yeah. Come on. We're I not mean, talking that, about that season, though. We're talking about this season. But, but, but that's what I'm saying is it's been that long. Since the Giants have even been relevant. And yes, they almost made the playoffs last season. But that's because the whole NFC East was dog shit. I mean, the losing, a losing record won the division. We had six wins and had a chance to get into the playoffs. That never happens. And then this year they come out and they can't even match the six wins they had from last year. With more quote-unquote talent on the roster. They sign these big-name players. And they don't do anything. They win four fucking games. It's always like that, though. It's always been like Kenny Galladay. $72 million receiver. Zero touchdowns. Goose egg. You had as many touchdowns. I had as many touchdowns as Kenny Galladay. Now, is that Kenny Galladay's fault? I don't know. He can't really control when the quarterback throws to him. But you paid the guy $72 million over a four-year contract. And you got Jake Fromm as your quarterback. It doesn't matter. Kenny Galladay had zero touchdowns in an 18, in a 17-game season. That's how awful, abysmal, atrocious this organization is. You know how even more atrocious they are? I have some stats for you. The Giants only scored 24 touchdowns in the in, in entire, 17 games in the entire season. In 17 games. That's a little over a touchdown a game. The opponents that they played on average, if you took all of their opponents and averaged their touchdowns out, they all averaged 45 touchdowns, almost as double. And they played teams like the Bears and like the the Washington football team. They played some garbage teams. I've had I get headaches just just talking about this because it infuriates me that since the last time the Giants made the playoffs, they were dog shit. They were awful the year after they made the playoffs, and they've only gotten worse. And if you had any sort of competence in the front office, that should not happen. Look, you can't let up. 21 more touchdowns than you score. No. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Not you 21 can't. more points. Touchdowns. But it's bad, bad coaching all around. I I can give several scenarios. And this is my favorite one of the year. It was the game against the Dolphins. And I was still watching at this point. I don't really know why. I had a little bit of hope in them for some odd reason like I always do. They were like two games out of the wild card. And I was like, all right, if we win this week, we can have some losses and be one game back. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. The hopeful Giants fan you always are. There was a scenario in the game where there was about 20-something seconds or so. 22 seconds, let's say. Left in the first quarter. And there was 25 seconds on the game clock. The Giants were not organized to run a play, and they called a timeout. They called a timeout when they could have let the quarter end because the game clock was higher 
or the, the the gameplay clock was higher than the amount of time left in the quarter. They could have just ran. The clock was running. They could have just run the play clock out, and it would have been the end of the quarter. And instead, they were disorganized and wasted a timeout. And that also, I, I could do that myself. I would know what to do. That it, it's a professional organization, and they make mistakes that somebody who doesn't watch football would make. Or even, let me say this, somebody who doesn't watch football wouldn't even make. And I'm not saying Jason Garrett is good in any sorts of way, but he was definitely a scapegoat for what the Giants were miserable in the middle of that season. They used him as a scapegoat. But as soon as he left, their entire organization showed their face and about how bad they actually are. Their whole team. I, I mean, it gets me... I'm right in the face right now talking about that. Let's look at this. Offensive yards... For the Giants against their opponents this year. Their opponents put up 6,032 yards against the Giants. So the defense allowed 6,000 yards this year. The Giants, 4,882 yards against their other teams. So they were 1,200 yards below what they gave up. I'm pretty sure their first round quarterback, Daniel Jones, taken at the number six pick, only had like 10 touchdown passes this year maybe not even that I don't even count man I just sit there on Sundays and I'm miserable it gets to the point where I just I can't even watch because I know nothing productive is going to come out of me watching that game we sat down we watched the first couple weeks like we always do we lost that heartbreaking game against Washington early in the season that was when I knew the season was over I gave up after that day. Slayton dropped that ball wide open in the end zone. Then Washington's kicker missed the field goal, and they called off sides, and we moved to 0-2. And then the next week, we played Atlanta, and we had a dropped interception in the end zone that would have ended the game. Then we're 0-3. And now we're here. You run the scenarios. Here's the thing. As a Giants fan, you run the scenarios in your head until about week six. And then when you're anywhere the span of 0-6, to two and four, which is where we have been. They have never, no, they've never been better than one and seven or two and seven. It's never been better than that. Under Dave Gettleman. Under Dave Gettleman, which is awful. How do you, how does that even happen? Because they get false hope at the end of the year. Like last year with week 17, we have a shot somehow at six and 10 for the playoffs. So everybody's juiced up. We got to bring Joe Judge back next year. We're so close. We got Daniel Jones. It's his make or break year. It's the false optimism. And we always have week one. We turn on the TV screen for the Giants football. And we have that optimism. It's always been that way. Every year under Dave Gettleman, we've had that week one optimism. We're saying, wow, we could be a playoff team this year. And by week six, that optimism is completely gone. And I'll tell you what. For the first time in my career, I'm standing up as a Giants fan. And I am saying week one next year, I will not have that optimism. I will not. I will not be excited for the season. I will not be excited for anything other than the fact that we begin the rebuild now. Because here's the thing. We should have been rebuilt already. Doesn't matter. It's over. Jake Fromm started quarterback today. We had negative, what, 16 passing, 11 passing yards last week? It doesn't matter. If you say negative in front of passing yards for the whole game, that's that's fucked. That's what I'm saying. It ends here. The rebuild begins now, and it has to. Because if it doesn't, This franchise is screwed until my kids, until I have kids. So let me say this. And I will not raise them as Giants fans if this is what the franchise looks like. Let me say this. I refuse. 
how would you feel about a two-win season next year? Honest opinion. Would you expect a two-win season? Would you be upset with the two-win season? Or would you be happy if they literally just cut everybody, started fresh except for their draft picks, and they just only happened to won two games like Jacksonville? If John Mara comes out and says, we're going to begin, this is a new turn page for the Giants, we're beginning to rebuild. Which obviously won't because it's Mara and it's the Giants, it's New York, you know. New York fans are terrible about that shit. But if he came out and said that, I would be willing to accept that because he's the owner. We don't have control over whether he goes, comes or goes. We can't be, you know, that's a whole different situation than a GM because a GM can be fired or replaced. If they come out and say we're in the rebuild and they get a two-win season and I see growth and I actually have some optimism for that team, like look at the Lions, for example. The Lions had an awful year. They won against Green Bay today and they had uh, the 16th receiver taken in the last draft pop off there at the end of the year in St. Brown. You're right. They have They optimism. have optimism. I know Jared Goff is a filler quarterback, just like Sam Bradford was a filler quarterback for the Eagles back in the day. He's a filler quarterback until they find their man. But they have optimism. They love their coach. Their coach is a locker room guy. He brings it together. And I think the Lions have more optimism than the Giants ever have under Dave Gettleman right now. What I mean, and they went two thirteen and or three thirteen and one. Here's the here's the worst part about this. Beginning of the year. A lot of projections showed the Giants making the playoffs as a wild card team. A lot of those same projections showed Philly having three to four wins. Philly went into rebuild mode. They traded away Wentz. They got draft picks. They didn't spend money on the big names. The Giants. The Giants did get draft picks with a great trade, which I am happy about. That's about the only positive thing I can say. But on the other hand, the Giants went out, spent money, got Kenny Galladay, got um, the corners that I'm friggin' blanking on. Whatever, they spent money in their secondary. They spent money on the D-line. Gave Leonard Williams an enormous contract because he had a hell of a year last year. And the roles were reversed. And that's when you know you're a sorry-ass organization. When a team in your same division is expected to have four wins, they basically tank their team. They make the playoffs. They get nine wins. Okay, but the Eagles are a first-round exit. They didn't beat a team over 500. They're not a very good football team. It doesn't matter. The Giants can lose to the Giants. Look Look at how many bad teams the Giants played this year. Look at how many bad teams they played. If they did the same thing Philly did, they could have been in the same spot. But they can't even beat the bad teams. They lost to the Bears 29 to 3. You don't lose to the Bears 29-3. You don't lose to the Bears 29-3. They lost to Washington. They lost to Atlanta. They lost to Philly on the other end. There's so many games and so many teams that were bad. And they weren't even competitive. Denver, week one. You get blown out by two touchdowns at home. Week one. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's there. Denver comes in, whoops your ass. Sorry. Sorry ass organization. And I'm red talking about this. I have headaches. And all that I can hope for is that the Giants show me some of the hope that the Knicks have because the Knicks were abysmal for a plethora of years since 2012. It was bad ownership, bad GMs. Didn't know what they were doing with the salary cap. And I think they have finally turned that page. They are struggling this year. 
but I'm hoping the Giants can find that same positive energy that the Knicks have. And I guess we're going to see. I guess we're going to see who they hire as a GM, what they do with the coaching staff, what they do with these draft picks, these big-name players that they have. It's going to be really interesting to see where they end up next year. And you know where it needs to start? With something that we have struggled with since our Super Bowl. It's got to start with the offensive line. It's got to. It's got to start with ownership and the GM first. Yeah, obviously. But what I'm, I'm talking about from a player standpoint, we have to finally build the offensive line that Dallas has had for years. We got to build the offensive line that can actually protect Daniel Jones so he's not out with a neck injury for eight weeks. This because, is a, this because, is a- because if we look at it, if we're realist and we look at it, the, the situation, Myra is going to keep Joe Judge. Unless there's a total outrage, he has said he's going to te- mm. keep Joe Judge. And he also said that Daniel Jones will be our quarterback starting week one next year. So are you okay with Daniel Jones coming back? I think he deserves another shot. I do. I don't think he's going to be the end-all, be-all, give us two Super Bowls like Eli Manning no, did. No, absolutely not. But he needs to start the lead of the rebuild. I think Daniel I don't think Jones, we need to go out and go trade for Deshaun Watson. I don't think we need no. to do something crazy like that. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. That. Because there's a lot of talk about that. Giants fans are like, trade for Wilson. Trade no. for Deshaun Watson. No, because then you trade away your whole future. Yes. And one guy's not changing the roster. What Break I will it say, down. Quit. We're not making the playoffs for the next three years. Just reset and become a good, perennially generational, good football team that I can actually enjoy to watch. And I don't care if you get the seven and ten seasons. I don't care if you get the eight and nine seasons. Those are fine. Show you live with those. But at least show growth. That's what I'm saying. At least show growth. Or, or how about this? Be competitive. Be competitive in the games. They're not even competitive. They did win four games. But they weren't competitive, especially late in the year. They were never even close in those games. I will say the games they lost to Atlanta and Washington, they were competitive. But the rest of the year, they didn't show any heart. They didn't show any fight for their coach. And that's when you know you your job, your duty as a head coach is lost. You're done at that point. When the players don't play for you anymore, it's over for you. And it should be over for you. You don't deserve a second chance. And on the note of Daniel Jones... Very mediocre quarterback. Probably below the mediocre line. He's better than like Heineke. I think he's right at that level. He's right around Baker Mayfield level. I th- Yeah. And that's, I mean. Mediocrity. Low. I think he's very mediocre quarterback. I think he is a quarterback that can win eight games in a season. He won six games last year. Do I say he's our long-term quarterback? I don't know the answer today yet. He was hurt for this pretty much the whole second half of the year. And if he, the biggest thing for him is obviously cutting the turnovers. Yeah. If he learns how to become more aware in the pocket and to protect the football, especially when running or when taking a sack, I think he can certainly have success in the league. He shows us flashes here and there with throws in the pocket, with throws outside of the pocket, with runs, with creating or pro- prolonging the play. He has shown us some bright spots. But there's a lot of downsides that need to be fixed. And as he goes into his fourth season, I believe that stuff should be heavily improved upon. And I don't think that it should be a necessary need to say we need a new quarterback right now. I think the thing that needs to be done, again, I will reiterate this over and over and over again. It needs to be a rebuild and it needs to be a complete rebuild. Not a half-assed Dave Gettleman rebuild where you go and sign a bunch of players and ruin all of our cap space in the last year. Our cap space is already ruined. We have to rebuild. We have to take 
the L that we've gotten with Dave Gettleman and the terrible signing of Mara, or and the terrible signing by Mara, not of Mara, and reset. Hard reset. Clean house on everything. I think Joe Judge needs to go. We need to find a new replacement offensive coordinator. Yeah, Fre- Freddie Kitchens is not the answer. No, Freddie, Kitchens, <laughs> Freddie Kitchens is not the answer. Clean out the quarterback's coach so Daniel Jones can get a new feel, new look. Clean everything out. All front office. Mara should just sweep it all. That, that place should be empty in two weeks. Yeah. And it should be just a whole new staff that comes in. I'm and excited. here's the thing. Because when you have a rebuild, right, and you have coaches and coordinators and people in the executive staff that are a part of the rebuild, they see the future. They know what needs to be done. But right now, there is no vision. None. Nobody knows what to do. You're you're coming off of a year where you're supposed to probably make the playoffs and show some growth, show some promise, and you go 4-13, and and on top of it, your offense looks like it could be playing peewee football? Seriously. It's got to go. It seriously could. Their offense might as well have been the scout offense for the fucking high school football team. Really should have been, honestly. It's sad. It's honestly really sad. And I'm getting too fired up talking about this. So, But I will say that with the retirement, quote-unquote, of Gettleman, I think we have a little bit of hope. That's the best news I've heard from the Giants in a long time. And that's where we got to start. So with that, um, that was a nice 30-minute long rant about how abysmal we are as Giants fans, how miserable. And we could go for another 30. Oh, we could. But, yes, we are very miserable right now, and we are fully expecting to not do anything for at least the next three to five years. But you never know. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens. We're going to be tuned in next year. I know you said you're not going to be excited week one, but I know goddamn well you're going to be excited week one just because it's week one of the NFL. So we'll see come September. But that'll that'll wrap it up for this section of the the New York Giants in their atrocious 2021-2022 season. Stay tuned for a little preview into our Aruba vacation and then our stink bomb of the week. Welcome back to the Tag Team Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed our rant of our shitty football organization that we root for. I'm hoping that maybe eventually we have hope because that's Something that we have absolutely none of right now as it sits. And I know if you go back and listen to the last season of the podcast, I'll talk about all the optimistic points of the Giants, and they were all wrong. All bullshit, terrible, garbage. And that's the great thing about sports is you have hot takes, you got cold takes, but you got to take. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, but we're going to we're gonna talk a little bit about our, our Aruba trip. I know you guys are probably like, you lucky asses got to go to the Caribbean in December, which was absolutely beautiful. Aruba, if you guys don't know, Small little island off, just off of the coast of South America, right off of Venezuela, and it's a beautiful island, amazing people, uh, very hospitable, but I have to say, getting that much sun in December is a weird thing to do. I got oh, yeah. super sunburnt right now, I got sunspots all over me, my nose is peeling, my back's peeling, and I'm like, wow, this is not what I'm used to. The Caribbean sun is something else. That yeah. Thing, that thing toasts you up like a bagel. So Aruba is literally... Right on the equator, so it's same temperature all year round consistently. 85, between 80, 85, 
sunny with some wind, occasional rain showers in the mornings. But like Anthony said, it is beautiful, especially in December. And I got I got pretty burnt to a crisp there for one day. But then I got a nice little tan. It tanned in a little bit. I was feeling good about myself. And then I come back to North Carolina, and it's windy, rainy, and 44 degrees. Yep. Which back is, to reality. Back to it's a little smack in the face. It is. It's a literal smack in the face. Great, great trip, though. I loved it. You guys, you know, if you had the ability to go to the Caribbean, I would say it's definitely one of my favorite islands that I've been to. I've been on, we've been on a couple cruises, um, but it's definitely an amazing island, amazing people, great food. Um, the, the craziest part about Aruba is that there's almost two completely different sides to the island. So there's one side, which is mostly inhabited by... The people who live there, the natives, are all on one side of the island. All the tourists are on this side of the island. That's the side that has the beaches, the hotels, the stores, everything that you can imagine that's on a Caribbean island. Now, on the other side of the island, it's more of like, I don't even know how to describe it, like a rocky terrain. Yeah. Almost like... Almost like a desert. Uh, yeah, it's almost like a desert. I mean... I mean, it is a desert. There's cactus. There's, there's cacti. There's cactus, uh, cacti. Yeah, cacti. Sorry. <laughs> cacti. There's cliff, there's like a mini cliffs, and it, it's still ocean front though. But the ocean's a lot angrier. Um, there's a lot more open space. Oh, the ocean has emotions now. I mean, <laughs> when you go to Aruba, the ocean literally has emotions. You go on one side, it's like a peaceful beach, not a lot of waves. You go to the side with the rocky terrain, it's literal anger. Yeah, it's like nasty waves crashing in. It's a lot of windsurfers go to that side. But I will say, it's actually pretty crazy to see how different just the two sides of the island could be. When it's not very big. I mean, I think the island is between 19 and 23 miles long. It's 6, 16, I thought. it's six. I know it's 6 miles wide. 6 miles wide, and I believe it's about 20 miles long. Something like that. It's very small. The tour guide told us we just weren't paying attention. Obviously not. Too, I many, got, too many Aruba Arribas. Aruba Arriba. <laughs> Dude, I got cooked on that tour bus. Oh, yeah. So basically... There was this big, like, it wasn't even a bus. How would you describe this vehicle? I wouldn't even know how to describe uh, it. A jerry-rigged pickup truck. Yeah, and it had open seating in the back. So it was two benches that could fit about five It was people. a Toyota Land Cruiser. Yeah. That was the name of the vehicle. And then in the bed of the Land Cruiser was basically two benches that sat people, uh, five people on each side. And then there was like a little roof that was over the top, but there was an opening in the roof, which I thought was the dumbest, dumbest thing, ever, thing ever because it didn't block any of the sun. So we were literally sitting there like two pieces of bread and a toaster. Yeah, that's what I said. Like a bagel. Getting, it was literally little, pop little, it in, pop it out. We were fried. Fried. But it was still really amazing to see. The trip itself was incredible. Relaxation is definitely the word I, I would have to choose. Yeah, but trip. I got to say this. Americans don't really get perspective until they leave the country because we live in a very different environment than people across the world is what I've learned from traveling to different countries is that America is in its own little bubble of we think we're the shit, but until you leave and gain perspective on the world, it's, I don't even, there's like a word I'm looking for, but it's something that you can't explain until you experience it yourself. So if you're an American and you haven't left the country yet, I would highly recommend doing it because that perspective that you gain is enhanced and amazing because meeting people who speak different languages, 
languages other than English, Spanish, you know, the usual languages you hear in America, which are like the top two. You know, you hear a little bit of Chinese, you hear a little bit of Japanese, but you you don't hear it all the time. But when you're in Aruba, it's Dutch and um, their their local language. I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's like a form of Spanish. Yeah, it's like a form of Spanish almost. But they speak a lot of, all of them speak a lot of different languages. They all speak like three to four languages. Which it's is crazy. wild. Yeah, it's insane. Americans are just dumb. I've just realized that. I wouldn't say dumb. No, we they're just... not dumb. But but English apparently is the business language is what I heard. It is. English is the business so language. you don't need to learn any other languages. But I think that's totally wrong. I think everybody should learn as many languages as they can because it's a great skill and it's something that's... So why don't you learn a second language? Because I You're wasn't... You're up here preaching, but you haven't learned shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, English is the business language of the world, but most Americans are not taught a second language at a young age, and that's where it's essential to learn, to start learning the basics of a second language, because that's when your brain is still developing and processing, and that's when it's easiest to pick up those words, pick up that vocabulary, pick up the grammar. But yeah, it was really cool getting to see that they all speak a bunch of different languages, and the island itself, and all the different things to do. There is a lot of different things to do in Aruba, I will say. It's more than just going to the beach. It's more than just being on an island. Um, you can go on catamarans, go snorkeling, go windsurfing, go parasailing, uh, eat some really, really good food. Be and, a tourist. Yeah, I guess so. Be a tourist. Because <laughs> uh, I went to, I went up in the parasail. Johnny didn't do it. He was too weak in the stomach to do it. Oh, that's kind of soft. I really just, I, I didn't want to no. pay 60 bucks. No, <laughs> no. Totally worth it because you go up and we get on this boat and it's two it's two locals and they are uh they're intoxicated with the mary jane and they go to take us up so i'm sketched i'm like oh my god this is the end of all be all for me because if you don't know what parasailing is you fly it's a shoot it's literally a parachute that flies you up behind the boat like 100 feet in the air so i felt totally unsafe i went up with johnny's girlfriend and boy was it a view of a lifetime and something amazing being able to see over the island Seeing six and a half miles of distance, seeing everything in our peer view was an experience I'll never get. But I have to say, the worst part of the trip, if I had to say one thing that I was just like, this is just awful, was your Instagram caption from your post. Why? Normally your Instagram captions are fire, but yours made me quiver. (laughs) That was the goal. No. Because your caption is Island Boy Status Acquired. Yeah, I was trying to be a little jokester. That's not a jokester. That's cringy. Because <laughs> everybody knows right now the meme is, I'm an island boy and I've been trying to make it. We were saying that the whole time we were there. Yeah, because that's funny. But putting it on fucking social media, that's garbage. <laughs> and I quivered when I saw that. I was I, like, I apologize. I, I apologize. I was just trying to be a And then some funny. other people that were in the other... Uh, Caribbean islands, they posted the same caption. Whatever. All about being an island boy. Like, I get it's the meme, but dude, it was the meme. It was all about it's the It's dry meme. and it's cringe in my Sorry, opinion. sorry. I'm sorry for being dry. Ugh, I'm just cringing thinking about it. I, I apologize. So, in saying that, you already told me your worst part about the trip. What was your favorite part about the trip? Um, There's so many great, great parts. I would say probably the parasailing. That view was immaculate. I wouldn't... I would The adrenaline that I felt when I was up there and the, the fear... To just do it and doing it and seeing everything was insane. Yeah, it's pretty dope. My part, my my favorite part was definitely the snorkeling. Seeing the shipwreck. That the water bottom. is salty, man. The Caribbean yeah, water my, is salty. Yeah, it is salty splatoon. Like, imagine eyes. imagine drinking salt water 
Like you put salt and water and you drink it. This was like on crack. Like, well, that's what salt water is, you dumbass. No, but this is like hurting your eyes, hurting yeah. your nostrils, hurting your ears. Like the salinity was like as high as it possibly could be. That's very like, true. almost toxic. It felt like for sure. But I would definitely highly recommend going to see the island of Aruba. It's it's very beautiful. A lot of things to do. And yeah, I had a great time. I was going to open this segment with the song Kokomo by uh, the Beach Boys. So go listen to that and you'll understand why I wanted this to be the intro. But too bad we'd get uh, DMCA'd. So I don't want to do that. But I will say, my stink bomb of the week did occur in Aruba. All right. Or my stink bomb of the episode, I should say. So this should be a smooth transition into the stink bomb of the week. You just kind of went in it. You just kind of went in I had point. to because you said your least favorite part about the trip. Now I got to say mine, and it's definitely my stink bomb. Okay, well, that's not my stink bomb of the week because there was no stink bomb for me in Aruba. That's okay. You can. I'm going to go first this week. All right. So may I have the, the pleasure? You may have the floor. Thank you. The floor is yours. So, as many of you know, I take my shoes very seriously. And I have a pair of all-white bands that I like to try to keep as clean as possible. So it's New Year's Eve, and I'm all dressed up. I'm ready to go to dinner, ready to go out, have a good time. I'm ready to roll, ready to roll, ready to roll. (laughs) Got my shoes on, got my nice shirt on. We get to dinner, right? It was about 8.15, 8.30, and they didn't have our table ready until 9 p.m. So we were like, okay, we're going to go for a little bit of a walk. Going for a walk down the beach, blah, 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 whatever, shooting the shit, just walking, having a good time. And my dumbass is not paying attention. And I was walking fairly close to the water. All of a sudden, a ripper weave comes through and goes all the way up to where I was standing. And in an instant, in a flash... My white vans were underwater. My whole foot was absolutely fucking soaked. And the salt water can completely wreck the shoes. It left a whole like yellow line across them. And and then I had wet foot the rest of the night. And it was just absolutely disgusting. And I was disgusted. And then when you're walking on the beach with wet shoes... The sand sticking everywhere. And it's just very uncomfortable. So I was super pissed off. And I was like, okay, I'm not taking the beach back. So I walked all the way up the road. And I walked all the way back to the restaurant on the road. And there was a gate that closed off from the restaurant. So I couldn't even get back into where we were walking. So I had to walk all the way back around. And all the way around the city that we were in to get back to the restaurant. Because I was so pissed off. And I didn't walk want to walk back on the beach. So I ended up being like 20 minutes late to dinner. My foot was still wet and the shoe was fucked. Here's the thing. In Aruba, every bathroom I went into, right? They don't, they, you know, they're, they're an island. They don't like a lot of trash. They all have hand dryers, right? You know, you put your hands on it. Your hands are dry. Everybody's seen them. Johnny gets his shoe soaked, instantly pissed off, walks into the bathroom. And I got a piece. I'm like, ah, screw it. I walk in. He's got two shoes off in the bathroom. And I'm literally... Hold on. Rinsing my socks out. Yeah, he's rinsing his socks out. And there's, it's literally a fucking pool coming out of my socks. Yeah. But here's the thing. The one bathroom that did not have an air dryer was the one that he decided to go into. There's thousands of bathrooms on this island, right? Tens of thousands of bathrooms. And the fucking one he picks out is paper towel only. 
So this dude's in there with a paper towel, dabbing on his vans, trying to get them to dry. Eventually, I just threw my vans in the sink and rinsed them off because I thought I was trying to get the salt off, out, off of them. You probably ruined them even more. Whatever. You know what? It's over with. That was so funny, though. I was so pissed off the whole night, dude. I, I just thought it was, so that's just your luck. Like, you're such a mush that the fact that there's so many air dryers in every single bathroom and the one that you pick to go to after you soak your shoes. And there was not another bathroom anywhere nearby. We were in a hotel. There's a hotel lobby bathroom. The only hotel lobby bathroom without a fucking air dryer. And you happen to be stuck in that one with your shoes soaked. If you know, you could have just stuck the air dryer up to the shoes and they would have been dry pretty soon. But If you look up Johnny in the Urban Dictionary, I just hope it says mush. Yeah, because you're a mush. I am. But it is what it is. So that's certainly my stink bomb of the episode. And yeah, that's about all I got for that one. It was so, it was pretty shitty. You left the day before I did. Um, you had to get back for work. I left the day after you. But that transitions into my stink bomb of the week. So I get home probably around midnight from uh, flying all day. You know, it's a five-hour flight. We had a layover in Philly. Flew from Philly back to Wilmington. And I get home. And I'm just ready to go to bed. You know, you, you, know, you have a long day of travel. You've just been on vacation. If you, you know, if you have those long weeks... And, you know, I'm not complaining because I was I had a great time and I don't want to sound like a selfish bitch, but I'm a selfish bitch. And I get home and all I want to do is just go lay out in bed and sprawl. And I, before my trip, made my room all nice and tidy. So I, when I got home, and I'm a fucking pig. My room's messy a lot. <laughs> but I made my room all nice and tidy, put folded my laundry up nice. Everything was ready to go so I could get home and just lay in bed and just relax. So I get home. I open up my door. I'm like, ah, finally home. I get to have a good week. It's going to be nice. So, you know, I set my stuff, my toiletries in my bathroom so I can get to brush my teeth before I go to bed, get everything freshened up, be ready to go. Set my bag to the side, say I'm going to unpack in the morning. It's late right now. So then it finally gets time. I get my pajamas on. You know, I'm stretching, ready to go to bed. And I walk over and I have throw pillows on my bed because I'm, you know, I'm weird like that. I also buy candles, you know. You can give me shit about that. <laughs> so I throw, I go, I grab one of my throw pillows and I toss them on. I have a futon next to my bed. I go toss them on my... I grab the throw pillow. I turn. I throw it. And I turn around and I walk to my bathroom. I didn't even look. I'm like, all right, whatever. So then I'm brushing my teeth. I spit out my toothbrush. I walk back you out. spit out your toothbrush? I spit out the, my toothpaste. Is that the steak bomb? I spit out, no, I spit out my toothpaste. I turn around and I walk back. And I jumped. You know when you're watching like scary movies and you just... Your heart drops. Just... Oh! <laughs> one of those moments there's a fucking cockroach in the middle of my pillow stead center like could not be better place i thought i was getting pranked i'm like johnny got here a day early he put a fake cockroach in my pillow it's all good i woke up and if you don't know something about cockroaches especially here in north carolina they're like three inches thick this thing has probably been dead for like two days now but because of the way cockroaches work its legs are still moving that's dirty and it's like it's still like on its last leg. And it's sitting on there. And I get instantly skeeved the fuck out. I'm dirtied up at this point. So I have to take my pillowcase. And I got to balance it while I'm trying to hold back my puke. And I'm walking. And I get it into the toilet. I'm like, oh, finally it's over. I go change my pillowcases. I go up to Johnny. I'm like, dude, there was a cockroach on my pillow. This is dirty. And he was still up somehow. I'm like, thank God it's over. Flush the toilet. Cockroach is gone. I get my pillowcases changed. I'm like, all right. Coming in bed. Whoop, rip the pillow back. Another cockroach right in the middle of where my pillow was. Two. Not one, 
but two cockroaches in my bed the night I get back from Aruba. So then I'm like, I got to change my sheets. This is all over. It just turned into something terrible. I could kill a thousand bugs. I could kill a cricket. I could kill a spider. I could kill a fly. No issue. But the second I see a cockroach, I'm done. I'm as good as gone, dude. I'm as good as gone. I saw that cockroach and I was done and I was fucking ready to lose my shit. And then I saw another one and that was it. Tipping point. I was just so, I was so upset. Literally, that's just so stinky. It was awful. But I ended up getting my sheets changed. We were all good. I went to bed. Pillowcases changed. We were all good. I just hate cockroaches. And that is my stink bomb of the week. Uh, I think it just goes to show how, how dirty you are. That's fucking foul. No. We live in North Carolina. We live 0.25 miles from water. I, it's still foul. I mean, now I'm going to have a cockroach. Dude, we're sitting in this office that. with papers and shit everywhere. This place is a goddamn disaster. You don't see a cockroach up here. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. But the room still, was nice and tidy clean. That's still dirty. Though. Vacuum. It, it, probably, it probably came from your suitcase. That's where most of them come from. My suitcase? My suitcase had just gotten in. There's no way this thing has been dead for days. Uh, it had dust on it. I don't know. It was done. I just don't know how it died on my pillow. Like, did it get on my pillow, smell my, like, reminiscence of my breath, and then fucking pass out and die? <laughs> That's foul. I don't know. That's gross. That's gross. I don't think that people want to hear that. No. So. But they heard it. You got to deal with it now. Sorry. That's that's it. If you're cringing, if you're cringing, don't worry. I was cringing when I read Johnny's Instagram post. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's a hell of a way to wrap up this episode, I will say. Yeah, for sure. But stay tuned for next week or next episode. Probably break down some NFL playoffs. Next week could be two, could be three. Who knows? We don't <laughs> have it. It's going to be entertaining, though. I promise you that. <sighs> We're getting ready to go back up to New York. So, legal sports betting. Oh. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah, we'll be having a, we'll, we'll probably be bringing in a new, I don't want to guarantee because I guaranteed that we'd get a podcast out before the end of the new year, and that never fucking happened. So, I'm not making guarantees on this podcast anymore. Unless you're a sponsor, then I will always make your guarantees and I will always follow through with them. But I'm going to try and get a new segment somewhere around the sports betting industry. That'd be fun. In the state of New York. Because be it's fun. legal now. I'm 21. I'm old enough. It's legal. We Let's talk ride. About it. Let's ride, baby. I'm not saying we've ever sports bet before, but we've sports bet before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the Tag Team Podcast. And yeah, we'll be excited to come back with more entertaining comment. Content, not comment. (laughs) Comments. Entertaining comments, but more entertaining content. Yeah. There we go. Yep. So stay here, stay tuned. This has been episode 17 of the Tag Team Podcast. No toodles? I was getting there. Oh. Toodles. Come on, no energy? I'm I'm more of a guy, but banner, 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 banner,